live long and prosper. I'm going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. I grab Thar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Until he's coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Kermit. Frog here. ties are cool. So say we all. This is a Play on Nerds. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 158 of the Play on Nerds podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve, and we are here to co-host the living hell out of this thing. That's right, and in honor of the release of Weird, the Al Yankovic story starring Harry Potter, we're talking about the first movie <laughs> that Weird Al starred in called UHF, or as it might have been known abroad, UH- The Vidiot from UHF was what it was called abroad. <laughs> Uh, UHF has since become a cult classic, and there's a reason, and we're going to talk about it later. But before that, German, do we have any feedback? Not- what have you? Oh, what have you been up to? Let's, let's well, feedback, feedback. first. I to? guess we'll go ahead and jump in because you said it already. The can of worms. Yeah, is I said open. the word. I said the word. You're right. So first, we'll do feedback. Uh, we did have an unusual thing happen. So. We're it's not kind of cool, but also kind of weird. So we're not too special because there's this actor called Manu Itria. Sorry, Intiran. Do you say Intirami? I've maybe? I've heard it said many times. I can't get it right. I apologize for mispronouncing your name. But this they followed lots of people, thousands of people on Twitter. But they happen to follow a play on nerds, and why it's important is because this is a actor who was on Star Trek: The Next Generation, portraying a Borg that was separated from the collective called Icheb. Um, and he has followed us on Twitter, and I believe he also followed us on our Muppet Trek Twitter, which is strange that he followed both of them. Um, okay. Now, initially, cool, but unfortunately, this gentleman, this actor, who has had lots of controversies over the things he said on social media over the years. Uh, one of the things being victim blaming Anthony Rapp for coming out against Kevin um, Spacey. Um, he said called him wow. a. A, excuse my language, but a liberal pussy for saying that he was actually abused by Kevin Spacey. So that's pretty gross. Um, he Aww. said some kind of racist things in the past, but then he's he's tried to change over time on his persona, saying now he's with Black Lives Matter and he's saying he's very progressive. So it's a mixed bag of weirdness, but we'll just leave that in this little bag because I doubt he listened to the actual podcast, but he did follow us on Twitter. So that was kind of our feedback of the week. <laughs> All right. A little strange. Well, uh... Well, Manu, if you actually listen to this, let us know what you're up to, I guess. Yeah, and we're not judging you completely because we don't know the whole story. But uh, we know you're replaced on Picard. They replaced him with a different actor to portray him on Picard. And because in Muppet Trek, we haven't gotten to, you know, Next Generation yet. So I don't know anything of your work. I haven't seen this character. So I'm a blank slate. So if you you listen, let us know. In a little while, you'll see him. But Manu... We're not yeah. judging. We're just saying we don't know the whole story, but it sounds a little strange. I don't know you. <laughs> exactly. So, Jarman, what have you been up to? Oh, well, sure. Besides fending off uh, Star Trek people from our Twitter. <laughs> well, I, I every two years or so, hopefully less than that, I'm supposed to see a cardiologist because when I was 12 years old, as Steve knows, I had heart surgery. Um, and he had a baboon heart put in. <laughs> and that was the rumor people put around school, mostly Steven. Uh, but no, I did not have a baboon heart. They had to repair one of my, my aortic valve. Um, it wasn't too bad of a surgery uh, at the time, but it's even easier to do that surgery now. Nowadays, they can even do it endoscopically. But back then, they had to cut my whole chest open. 
But anyways, every yeah, two years, really I have to, deal. Yeah, I have to go see a cardiologist every two years to make sure my heart's working functionally and that the the thing they repair doesn't go back to the way it was. Um, and I've been having high blood pressure as of late, so I wanted to go make sure I go see my cardiologist. It's been a few years, so I just find someone online the soonest appointment I can get um, that covers was just covered under my insurance. Big mistake. I should have done more research. I get to this clinic, and it already looks very. Let's just say not the highest quality looking place. It's kind of ramshackle looking a little bit. So I'm like, okay, that's bad sign number one, but it looks, it looks okay. I wait around for a long time in the waiting room. My appointment that went by 45 minutes ago and I'm still waiting in the waiting room. They bring me in. The two nurses are lovely. Take my blood pressure. You know, they talk to me, ask me questions. We're joking around. Good time. They said, okay, go wait in the, this little hallway waiting room with more chairs. So I wait more. And this is typical kind of doctor's office thing. Happens to everybody. So I'm still being positive. I have my phone. I'm okay. So, right. then, so then I'm finally, by this young guy comes up. I never met this doctor yet. Young guy, probably Middle Eastern or maybe Indian. He says to me, like, perfect English. He's just like, because I, I, oftentimes my doctors don't speak English very well. This just happens near Orlando and if it's a case everywhere. But he's a young guy, good looking. He's like, speaks. he's like, hey, man, right in here. Uh if you want to wait in here for a second, it's like, oh, great. My doctor looks really cool. He's he's hip. He's fresh out of med school. He's going to know what he's talking about. But no, that was just the guy who tells you to go wait in the room. <laughs> so <laughs> I wait in the room for another 20 minutes in the actual next waiting room. The doctor finally comes in, a very angry looking man in his uh, early 60s, maybe late 50s, with the, a nurse next to him who looks very serious as well. They pull in this cart with a, her laptop on it, and he says, Hi, I said, hello, doesn't give his name. Um, he says, uh, can you pull your shirt up? I can take your um, your, heart, your heartbeat. I'm like, okay. So I pull my shirt up and he starts taking my heartbeat with the stethoscope. Goes back to the nurse, starts talking to her about medications. I hear something. He's like mumbling under his breath to her where only she can hear it. Um, how many cc's of that? So how many uh, milligrams? And so I'm so frustrated at this point because they're not even looking at me or making eye contact. Didn't ask me a single question. I say, excuse me. Uh, there is someone else in the room. Could you please tell me what you're talking about in regards to my health situation? <laughs> and I'm never rude like that, but it was just like so rude what they were doing. And it's like my heart we're talking about. So he, he, they both look in shock when I say that, like no one's ever said this before to them. Like, oh, my God, can you actually talk to me as a human patient? And so they finally started talking to me and he explained that he was going to put me on blood pressure medication. Um, he wanted me to come back in two weeks after I keep track of that. But I canceled that appointment. And I did some research and I found a good doctor and I have an appointment coming up soon. Okay, good. With good reviews and everything. I didn't look any of that shit up, which I should have. <laughs> so it's my fault. This guy was terrible. Have you had experiences like that, day. Steve, where you just have a doctor not even looking at you or talking to you? Uh, my only real experience like that. No, because I don't have a usual doctor. I only go into like urgent care when I really need something. Oh, you should get some regular uh, blood work done, man. It's important. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, and I had a full blood panel done about a year and a half ago. Two That's years not too ago. bad. Right, right. Um, good news. I, I don't have any terrible diseases. Woohoo! I don't have any of the hepatitis. <laughs> uh, the only situation I had like that was um, when Anna had Joyce, or for our daughter, and we were at the hospital, and it was a really long labor. I think it was like 17 hours, something like that. Like we got to the hospital at five in the morning and the kid came out at, you know, 7 p.m. or something. Um, it was a long day. Or she went into labor at midnight 
we didn't go to the hospital at five. It was fucking forever. We were both exhausted as hell. The the hospital we were at was small, which was nice. That's why we chose it. But um, that meant that the cafeteria wasn't open on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so there was like no real food. So Anna, we finally got her to a recovery room. The baby's with her and nursing. And I'm like, I'm going to go find us some food. So I leave for 15 minutes to go get some Chinese. <laughs> They're real excited. They rush the order to me. I'm like, I just had a kid. They're like, yeah, I get this man's food. They rush the order to me. I'm back in like 15 minutes. I walk in to a room full of doctors and nurses. Oh, Jesus. Fluttering everywhere. I don't know where Joyce is. No one will look at or talk to me. Anna's on like a nebulizer. She's got people trying to draw blood. They're hooking up panel stuff to her. No one will tell me what's going on. Anna's having trouble breathing. She can't tell me what's going on. She can't even talk to them. Oof. And basically what happened, and this is what we found out, is, is her oxygen level was fine. I don't know why the hell they were freaking out. They called the crash team. She said she was having a little bit of trouble breathing. They called the crash team and Anna had a panic attack. Oh, my gosh. And they thought it was something medically wrong. So they went full crash, ran e- ECG, EKG. Um, they were trying to do taps to get blood oxygen levels and all sorts of stuff because she said she was having trouble breathing. They were running her through nebulizer treatments, but, and her oxygen was fine. The thing they're like, maybe the, the meter is not running. So they're trying to do blood draws to get oxygen levels and stuff. Like it was fucking nuts. Wow. And nobody would talk to me. Nobody was telling me going on. The next thing I heard is she's going to the ICU and they wheel her away. Oh, but you're the husband. Right. Nobody would talk to me. Um, but the fact is, she was fine. She wasn't crashing. Her oxygen was fine. They just freaked out because she was a lady who just had a baby. And, and had a bank attack. Yeah, that's just, they should know right. what that looks like. <laughs> so Anna went to the ICU, which she loved. They like That was the first time where nurses treated her like a person was in the ICU. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I spent the night taking naps, going to the nursery where they were housing Joyce to be with her, and then going to the ICU to be with Anna. Hmm. Uh, and the next day, they finally released us back to the ward. Anna got to spend time with Joyce. And, like, a doctor came in and started to hook her up for a test. And I went, no. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, nobody talked to me about what happened. Nobody told you me what all those tests found, let alone if I know if this is covered by, by my insurance or not. Oh, yeah. You need to get a doctor on the phone to explain to me why you are doing this test. Good. Good for you. And it took them an hour to get someone and come to tell to tell me what was going on. Wow. And it was ba- and they're basically they're like, look, she had the the episode after we took these levels then. We need to take a comparative value now to make sure there hasn't been a major shift in her heart's activity. Cover their butts, basically. It was just one of those, we need a second reading to make sure the original reading is good. Like the standard reading of what she's normally supposed to be. Like. Right. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, thank you, human person, for <laughs> yeah. telling me. I am also a human. Can you talk to me Please like a human? Please <laughs> proceed with the test on my wife. Yes. Um, and then we let her do it. But there was about an hour and a half where I declined care for Anna. Until someone I explained said, to you not. what the care Someone is. tell me what happened and we can talk about it. Um, but yeah, for a room full of people running tests and grabbing things, we didn't hear shit. I, I'm starting to remember some of this when back when it happened when you told me about it because this is nuts. It's just a fucking nightmare. And then we left like a day early. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. We're like, we're going home. And they're like, well, you really shouldn't. I went, no, 
You said she's fine. The baby's fine. We're going home. We're done with this hospital. <laughs> Good for you. And then we went and we had the second kid there, like, cause it was still the, the better hospital of the two. And, um, that was when we left a day early. Like we, Anna was recovered. Well, Dilly was eating good. He was pooping good. We were in good shape. He met good weight and all that good stuff. And they were like, well, you could check out today, but your insurance comes tomorrow. And we went, oh yeah, we'll leave today. And they had to like bring in an administrator to talk to us, to make sure that we understood what we were saying. <laughs> I guess also. And I was like, butts. we're good to go. We didn't have a great time here last time. So we'd rather be home. And they were like, really? And I went, yes, this was our room. <laughs> I remember this is the same room we were in where all that dumb shit happened. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so in summation to your question, yes. <laughs> they can t- treat you sometimes like non-humans. God damn. I just wanted to sort of tell me what all the things were. Yeah, me too. And I got out of there. They accidentally handed me my whole chart that the guy was looking at and taking notes on. And they oh, get, what a deal. They let it take me with take it with me. And they had all this wrong information. Things I didn't even tell them was wrong with me. It was on the form. I'm like, what the hell is going on in this place? That sounds like how you bill insurance. That's, That's probably what so it was. Weird. They were putting fake things on there. I didn't oh, say. Man. Anyway, so what's up with you, Steve? <laughs> oh, man. Only real exciting thing is uh, my buddy uh, Matt had his 40th. And because he's been in COVID lockdown, um, this was his first like party in years. So he threw it big. Oh, yeah. How would that go? Down in Santa Cruz. They've got a gorgeous backyard with like different tiers of yard oh my God. separated with like multiple sitting areas. It's incredible. He has like a, a very nice house. Um, <laughs> good booze. He hired his favorite local band from Santa Cruz to come and play. And they do like bluegrass jug band versions of popular music. So that oh, was wow. real fun. And everyone knew the words, but it was different. Um, drinking fire pits, lots of people from work. Uh, and just a real good time. And we actually rented an Airbnb. And so we ditched the kids with, with, with Nana Paula. And then after the party, we got to go and spend the night in our Airbnb. Nice. Instead of, instead of with children. Just you and Anna? Yeah, just you and, just me and Anna. Beautiful. Yeah. I saw the picture of his uh, very expensive whiskeys that he had there. <laughs> yes. One in the far corner was mine. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> uh, and then the next morning we woke up. And we had a flat tire. So I had to, I got to find a tire place in Santa Cruz <laughs> at like 9 a.m. on a Sunday <laughs> um, and found one and was definitely part of a scam. Oh, no. Definitely part of a scam. So we go in. He's like, yeah, I'll have my guy take a look. I said, great. He said, we'll let you, we'll call you in an hour and a half. I go, oh, okay. Yeah. So an hour and a half comes and go. We go and get breakfast. We come back. He's like, oh, we were going to call you, but my computer system's down. He like clicked on a mouse twice and like showed me the screen. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, so we can't patch the tire. We would need to trade it out. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So we just need to replace it. Yeah. But our computer system's down. So like we can't do any of this stuff. And and I was like, oh, that really sucks. And he's like, we could probably do it if you could do cash. <laughs> I was what like, hell. Okay. How much? He's like, we could probably do it for like 80 bucks. And I went, mm-hmm. I'll go to an ATM, get your guy working on it. <laughs> so they got their guy working on it. I went to ATM, gave him 80 bucks cash. 
He's like, I picked out a real nice tire for you. I'm like, I don't know why you had to qualify that, but (laughs) (laughs) this one's real nice. Uh, And we paid him cash. And he's like, and I was like, so is there a receipt? He's like, nah, systems are down. So there's no receipt. And he's like, and like warranty, you know, it's not going to be under warranty. (laughs) I was like, okay, dude, I got to get home. At the end, they say, welcome to Santa Cruz. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But at the end, but the end of it, I was just like, you know, I've got kids in a city I don't live in. I need to get back to the town I live in. So what choice do I have? Yeah, pretty much. He gave us a real nice tire. I swear, man, it's real nice, but no warranty. Yeah. And warranty. No, it's not going to be. That's not going to happen. The computers are down. Because the computers are down. Because I unplugged them two hours ago. And I (laughs) I can see the scam. The scam is they have extra tires. They got the guy here. They pocket 80, split it between him and the guy who did the job. And they aren't going to put it in the, the system. Yeah, there's no, there's yeah. computers not in the system. The tire's not in the system. So when they have an extra tire, this is clearly the grift they run. <laughs> as long as it has treads on it, it looks like a good tire. That I It looked fine. good. Hey, he picked out a real good tire. Real good tire. <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid. It is. That's why it's so people don't trust mechanics anymore these days. You know, it's just it's rough. Look, and if I wasn't from New York, I may not have even known I was being scammed. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm not the one being scammed. Firestone Tires is the one being True. scammed. True. He wasn't giving you a totally out-of-the-park price. Like, it's not totally unreasonable. And, and the tire looked good. It was a legit sh- It was a Firestone shop. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't ripping me off. He was ripping Firestone off. Get your money, man. As long as you're not hurting yeah. me, fine. <laughs> you yeah. can screw off as Firestone. As, that, as long as I get the good tire. But you got the good one, man. Real good one. Welcome nah, to Santa Cruz. No war- there's no warranty, though. No, no receipts. <laughs> I think we need a future thing, though, of uh, no warranty on that. And also, welcome to Santa Cruz. <laughs> it's going to be a welcome thing going to Santa forward. Cruz. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So I can bring some uh, nerdy <laughs> news. Some sort of guitar riff. It's time for <laughs> nerdy news. All right. Uh, my cheeky name for my cheeky story this week is Black is Always in Fashion. Uh, Raina Schweitzer, a evolutionary biologist from the University of Montana, is exploring why animals choose their mates. And she's specifically looking at wolves in North America. Hmm. Well, there's this wolf disease called canine distemper virus, which is which is adjacent to measles. So like like, you know, wolf measles. Uh, And it occasionally hits endemic levels in North American wolves to the point where it's just running through populations, causing mass infant death and long term disability, including like blindness and seizures. It's it's a real bad for wolves in North America. Hmm. Well, what they realize is that when this disease blacked out, uh, breaks out, the color of the wolves on average changes. And all of a sudden there are more black gray wolves, gray wolves of black fur hmm. being born. And then when the disease goes away, that reduces and there's more gray puppies being born. And they were trying to figure out why. So they started looking at um, the patterns of the disease and uh, and evolution itself of how this may have happened. And basically, they figured out that a few thousand years ago, gray wolves slept with black dogs and introduced this black hair gene into gray wolf DNA. 
But what came with that gene was also a gene that gives genetic benefits against canine distemper virus, Hmm. CDV. And so their theory is that when this virus is breaking out, female wolves are more likely to choose male wolves with this black coloring, causing a spike in these black wolf puppies being born. And then when the disease has run its course, which is about every five or 10 years or so, they go back to picking other gray colored wolves. And it ebbs and flows because neither one is dominant for long enough to completely eradicate either the gray or the black. And so somehow wolves have instinctively figured this out over thousands of years. And so when this disease is around, females choose black wolves. That's so weird. Because they have this gene. Because uh, there, there's always been rumors throughout the decades of like um, cryptozoological big black wolves and how they will suddenly be uh, over all over a town. You'll be seeing these big black wolves. I think it's like uh, paranormal somehow. So I think that kind of factors that's in right. with this. That's pretty cool. It's all CDV, yo. CDV. Uh, so yeah, that so that's black is always in fashion. I like it. Very interesting. <laughs> I think that takes us into our main segment. That's damn right. We're covering some UHF. <laughs> Don't change that channel. Don't touch that dial. We got it all on UHF. Well, let's go through a quick summary. This movie is about George, a directionless 30-something who can't seem to stop daydreaming long enough to keep down a job. His life's a mess. His best friend's fed up with him. His girlfriend, Terry, is on the verge of leaving him. Uh, But thanks to his degenerate gambling uncle, he comes into possession of being a station manager for a local TV station, UHF. The station is not great. The broadcast facility is basically in shambles. Uh, They meet Philo, who's like the creepy chief engineer who lives at the station. George gets his best friend Bob involved. They meet the receptionist who wants to be in news. And then they meet the antagonist, RJ Fletcher, who runs Channel 8 and who's a real bad guy. (laughs) This is where we meet Stanley, a simple minded janitor who's sweet but gets fired under false pretenses. And George uh, hires him to come and be the janitor at UHF. Uh, Pamela, this is a weird part I almost didn't put in. Pamela, the receptionist, heads out to uh, on, to be an on-the-scene reporter for the first time. She has a little person on the camera, and he is bullied and physically assaulted, and the scene is really unnecessary and serves only to make us dislike Channel 8. That's literally why it exists. But I also like that she has no judgment whatsoever that he's a little person, that he's her cameraman. So I was totally expecting her to suddenly break out and be like, oh, you're going to be my cameraman? But no, she was like, oh, cool, you're here. Let's do this. And so I, I kind of like that yeah. part, at least, you know. Um, George tries out some new shows, including town talk where he invokes invites locals to come, uh, to teach things, uh, and a live kid show called uncle Nutsy's clubhouse with, uh, Bobo the clown. And it's just not great. Uh, we get treated to some of the advertisements because this is kind of a movie, but there's also sketch comedy in it. There is. Uh, we get treated to kind of like that's what the commercials are, basically sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then get treated to some of their these advertisers, including um, what was it? Spatulas are us. Spatula no, City. Spatula City. Spatula City. Spatula City. <laughs> plots are us, which is like a burial company. 
Uh, and then out of nowhere, we get a random Weird Al music video. Because he's Beverly falling asleep and, and dreaming about it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, George and Bob are on the verge of losing the station only to realize uh, that that he's missing dinner with Terry, who calls to say she, he's selfish and she's done with him. So his life has truly hit rock bottom. George walks out in the middle of Nutsy's funhouse and sends Stanley the janitor out and the kids go crazy. Stanley is a hit. He puts the station on the map. They start generating some other really crazy shows, including Wheel of Fish, <laughs> Secrets of the Universe with Milo, and Raul's Wild Kingdom. Oh, and Conan the Librarian. I love that. Um, <laughs> it comes out that UHF is beating Channel 8 in the ratings, and RJ Fletcher's got to take them down. Meanwhile, George's degenerate uncle gambler, uh, gambler owes someone 75000 and agrees to sell the channel to R.J. Fletcher in exchange for the money to get him off the hook. Now, it's a race against time as George and the others attempt to raise the money. They have a telethon, which uh, R.J. Fletcher arranges for Stanley the janitor to be captured in the middle of, which totally disrails the telethon. They have to race to get him back. They go and try to rescue him. A karate group of ninjas or whatever <laughs> helps to rescue him. They get him back in time. He triumphantly returns. They raise the final bit of money. R.J. Fletcher is like put in the poorhouse, basically. And uh, and everybody gets a happy ending because Terry comes back. Milo turns out to be an alien and Channel 8 is taken off the air. That's right. Everyone wins. The Everyone end. wins. <laughs> well, the good people win. Uh, so, Jarman, had you seen UHF before? Oh, yeah. I watched this a bunch as a kid. Um, either on Comedy Central, TNT, something like that. One of those channels on cable. Um, oh yeah. So it was it was a favorite of mine back then. Had you? I felt like oh yeah, I, but I felt like I got way more out of it now as an adult seeing it because I can honestly say the last time I saw this was probably like high school. Yeah, same here. Probably the whole thing. But went like through. I got way more out of the references. I got way more enjoyment out of I said like the sketch comedy kind of feel of it mm-hmm. that I didn't get as a kid when you expect stories to be linear. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I really did dig it. There's so many good references, really good, well-written comedy, good character work. Yeah. More than um, I, would, I remembered because like also since I watched this as a kid or in high school, I became a huge fan of airplane and I hear that it's, it was kind of inspired a little bit by airplane to kind of parody other films um, and a lot of non sequiturs, like yeah. weird transition kind of stuff. Yeah, Things that don't have to make sense in reality, really. And it's right, just exactly. <laughs> kind of over-the-top things. Like they get they get thrown by the, their big boss lady in the very beginning, and they're just thrown high into the sky, and they fall on the floor at ground, and it's totally normal. Totally fine. <laughs> or a man yeah, murdering ma- ma- poodles. Major, major <laughs> so- oh, my God, Raul's Wild Kingdom is so good. One thing you don't know is that turtles stick and he like licks a turtle and throws it in its suction cups <laughs> to the ceiling. That was so good. Uh, <laughs> and even the like the karate school was like, uh, like talk about like paid off jokes. This movie had paid off jokes all over the place. Even the homeless guy at the beginning is like, Mr. You got any change? You sound and, just like it. <laughs> I know. Um, and then he's like, yeah. And he gives it. And he's like, three, four. Great. And he gives him a dollar. I like was, the joke is that, that he so literally funny. wanted change for a dollar. Um, and then he comes in later. And I think RJ's mean to him. And finally, at the end, RJ gives him a penny. 
that ends up being some special mint that ends up being worth thousands of dollars. And the, the homeless man is the one that puts them over the top with that money for the telethon. Exactly. <laughs> and then it pays off. And then he's like, yeah, enough to buy all these shares in this real fancy watch. <laughs> and it's the watch that RJ wanted, the Rolex RJ that wanted his son earlier. Didn't give him for his father's day. Didn't give him. So like talk about jokes paid off and like in the, the karate school, they get introduced that they live next to. And I think it's uh G Watanabe. Is that right? Yeah. He's in tons of eighties movies. He was just, in yeah. BD Watanabe. Um, and he plays the instructor. He's like, they're so stupid. And then they get their own show on UHF. And then at the end, they're the ones that go and rescue Stanley. <laughs> and they yell supplies as they jump out of a supplies closet. Kind of racist. While, okay. while racist is also like very cleverly written. True, because they're <laughs> like, in a supply closet. It's pretty funny. The, supply closet. <laughs> the idea is that they're saying they're supplies. So it's like a double entendre joke that really works. <laughs> supply. Um, but agreed. Agreed. It is a little. It is pretty racist. But that doesn't mean it's not a well thought out joke. True. Um. Oh, I'd say one of the so, jokes that I love so much was two, well, two of them, actually. One was the, the homeless guy sitting there on a bench with a lady or guy, I think. And he's he says, is this it? Is this it? And you don't see what's happening. They like pan over to them. And he's basically a blind homeless guy changing a Rubik's Cube and showing it to the person next to him and saying, did I get it yet? It's like, <laughs> nope. Changes it one time. Did I get it yet? No. This is ridiculous. And then the other time was the guy who goes in R.J. Fletcher's office wearing a crazy ass cowboy hat with like butterflies on it and shit. And R.J. Fletcher's like, take off that damn thing. You you look ridiculous. And he's like, oh, man. And he pulls off his mustache. <laughs> Sorry. It's just like those um, are my favorite jokes probably in the whole movie. <laughs> but then and then if you look at the caliber of this cast, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Weird Al. Yeah. He was not an actor at the time. I mean, hell, he was not say not established, but he's not the weird out we know now. But you get Kevin McCarthy as R.J. Fletcher, who is just a classic, great 80s bad guy. Been a lot of Michael things. Richards before he had his major falling out and racist rant. And uh, two weeks Stanley. before he got on his pilot of Seinfeld, two weeks. And he is he really is like enchanting and heartfelt in this. Role. He is his dumbfounded innocence as Stanley is honestly what anchors this crazy film. Yeah. Like you're rooting for Stanley by the end. Uh, David, David Bow, who played Bob is, has been a working actor for years. And then you get people like uh, G Watanabe, as I mentioned, and Bill and Billy Barty, who's like maybe the most famous and working little person actor in history. Oh yeah. I recognize his face immediately. Cause he's been yeah, there yeah. tons of things and friend Drescher is a receptionist. And we're going <laughs> to see him in our next episode because he was in Willow. Ah, yes. He plays the, the high Ogren, the, the, like the, the wizard guy mm. of their village. Also, I mean, Victoria Jackson, you mentioned her. She was an SNL alum, but she's trying to turn into a weird kind of a Republican crazy these days. But yeah, she has. <laughs> but she was good back her. in the day. I loved her um, on SNL. She was so good. On you mentioned Fran Drescher, who went on to have a huge career after this. David Proval, who's been like a, an Italian mobster thug in like half of the movies you can think of. <laughs> uh, and then comedian Emo Phillips even makes an appearance. And there's a lot of theories that that is where the emo I, the idea of emo came from oh yeah, was yeah emo phillips because of his like sad sardonic humor and these like sad recollections like his whole act was that and i would argue a whole casting of this thing was great even down to the lady who spins the wheel on the wheel of fish she was good like she was great timing she like was selling yeah. it you know <laughs> um so 
overall, I would say anyone should rewatch this movie. If anything, I appreciate it more now than I did as a kid. Yeah, and it's a cult favorite for a reason. And there are a couple cringy jokes nowadays that were a little bit more. Woke, oh, yeah. Um, without a doubt. But there's not too many. Surprisingly, it's actually not that bad. There's like a couple for a movie made in 1989. It's pretty damn good <laughs> as far right. as that category is considered. Um, but also, like, yeah, just. I loved it because it's bonkers, zany, weird Al business. It feels like his uh, his old music videos and his performances. Um, if anything, my least favorite part of the movie is his random music video in the middle. Really? All right. Because it's just too long. It's not really integrated. Like, it's not really. Well, what, one of my like, things was. Oh, he was, fell asleep and he's dreaming about it. But that's not integrated into the story. <laughs> well, that's good that you said that because I felt like there should have been more. There should have been at least one more Weird Al music number in the movie. But I, I realize that the point of this movie, I've watched some behind the scenes stuff, too, is that he was trying to branch out and do more film and not just be considered just the music guy. So I think that's Fair. the reason why he only had the one musical number in there and not more, because they were probably expecting that of him. And he's like, no, I want to make a movie. I want to make a funny movie. And so I just of- wish they would have found a way to integrate into the story, like a musical number about you know, him sweeping Terry off her feet in right. some way or some romance thing that he spoofs. It wasn't related. It would at have all. been good yeah. and would have fit. Um, but yeah, I just didn't. That, that that literally is my one, like that non sequitur didn't work for me. And I will say in a movie filled with non sequiturs. Yes. That, but that one did not work because <laughs> it was a long uh, digressing, but non sequitur. Oh, that, huge. Yeah. Um, huge but they only had a five million dollar budget and i think they did a lot with that because like i loved all the sets like they had beautiful sets tons of extras like all these movie parodies they did with all these <laughs> makeup effects and stuff like that the alien effects at the end like i don't know how they pulled that off with five million bucks so that was pretty damn oh good. yeah i don't know i agree so i say check it out to all of our listeners if you haven't it's a tough sell to say like oh weird al made a movie but with weird the al yankovic story coming out now is the perfect time and I, I will say two other things I didn't really like too much about it watching as oh, an adult please. was Weird Al isn't a very good actor. <laughs> we'll just be straightforward. No. And luckily, he didn't put himself in a position where he needed. Well, here's to do why I think he kind of did, because the thing with these oh. airplane style movies is that everyone else around him is acting like this is totally serious. And that's why it works well with airplane and movies like that. And he was yeah, like, you have enough straight men. Yeah, yeah. But he was like playing it winky to the camera, goofy over the top, which isn't doesn't work with what he was trying to do, I think, almost. But it still worked for me because I know it's weird Al. But I just think it did. It could have hit better if he was also a little bit better of an actor or, or committing to the to the role more than he was and making it less winky and funny because everyone else around him was acting super straight edge like you're supposed to do with like airplane and that kind of thing. I don't That's know. That's true. And like, Frank, you're right. Like the his. The sidekick Bob really played the straight man, and maybe that's the issue. Maybe we didn't see enough of them. Like maybe we didn't see enough of that straight man interaction to balance out the amount of Zane. Yeah, that's like, so possible. You're right. Fran Drescher played it straight. R.J. Fletcher, for the most part, played it straight. Some some mugging to the camera, but yeah, played it mostly straight. And most of the mugging came from his son. Like that that the Stooges did most of the mugging. That's true. They're pretty um, over the top too. And I just think it might be too sophomoric for some people. Like it might be too over the top ridiculous. Cause like, whereas things like airplane had some jokes that were really layered and intelligent. Most of this was just pretty straightforward. You're going to get all the jokes. There's not like a lot of thinking going on. With the There's jokes. not nuance. Yeah. What I'll say is that that doesn't mean it's, as I said, it's a, as far as like jokes paid off 
rule of three observed. It was well thought out. Good yes. build, well thought out, well written script. Overall. Absolutely. So overall, a recommend for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, I'm glad that we both enjoyed it, and I hope that we both uh, have good things to say about Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Oh, I hope so. I'm, I'm enjoying. I'm looking forward to seeing because they got Rain Wilson playing Doctor Demento, and that's very exciting. Oh yeah, very nice. Let me some Doctor Demento. All right, so we do have some trivia for this crazy film and how it got made. Um, for the shot of the Spatula City billboard, the production bought a billboard on a remote stretch of highway, which they filmed this whole thing in Tulsa, Oklahoma, of all places. Um, and for months afterwards, drivers taking the exit would ask nearby businesses about Spatula City. <laughs> so the ad was finally removed after the businesses complained. <laughs> like, there is no Spatula City. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> wanted to call the movie The Vidiot because uh, he didn't think UHF would make much sense in a world slowly gravitating toward cable television. And the UHF de- designation is not widely known outside of North America. So for the U.S. Uh, market, Orion insisted on UHF. And in most foreign markets, it was called The Vidiot from UHF, which is weird. Um, in the DVD commentary, Weird Al says that in interviews on foreign television shows, when asked why he picked that title... He felt like replying, I didn't. The studio did. I hate that title. And in Mexico, mm. it was released as Los Telelocos, which translates as the TV crazies. Good times. Uh, real fish were attached to the wheel of fish. They were bought at a local oh, fish. Oh, they were definitely real fish. Yeah, they looked totally real because they were. Uh, they were bought at a local fish market early one morning, and the set designers began attaching them to the wheel around 6 a.m., making sure the wheel spun smoothly. But filming started at 4.30 p.m. on a hot summer day in a building that wasn't air-conditioned and filled with hot studio lights and over 100 extras. <laughs> on the DVD commentary, Weird Al Yankovic described the filming conditions as ripe. <laughs> yeah, man, that sounds terrible. pretty terrible. Uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences would not allow the use of exact likeness of the Academy Award statuette or the Oscar for filming. Uh, the production uh, created a similar statuette as a consequence with Oscar's hands covering its crotch. <laughs> as you can see, uh, the beginning okay. of the movie. Okay. Uh, Weird Al offered Crispin Glover the role of Dr. Philo. Um, but eventually, Glover only wanted to play the role of Crazy Eddie, the car salesman, who says, I'll club a seal to make a better deal. <laughs> And, he, uh, and that actor is in the Ernest movies. He was in Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh, was he? He's one of the, the chintzy salesmen in Ernest Scared Stupid. Of course he is. That's him. And, and neither Weird Al or his producer thought Glover was uh, right for the role, so they passed. <laughs> He's like, no, you're not being crazy, Eddie, that tiny role. Uh, George Newman, Weird Al's character, makes a Twinkie dog to give to Bob Speck, his friend in the, in the show, which is basically like he cuts a Twinkie in half, puts a hot dog in there. It's disgusting. He puts cheese sauce on top. And then puts uh, cheese whiz on it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Weird Al says they had to eat seven of them to complete the scene, and he later became a vegetarian for the rest of his life. <laughs> uh, the number of moles on Weird Al's face changes from scene to scene because Weird Al had some actual moles removed from his face during filming. <laughs> Which if you go okay. back and watch, you're like, oh, yeah, he does have a mole on his face. It's random. <laughs> uh, the first cut of the film was two and a half hours long, and he trimmed it down to 90 minutes for the theatrical release. Um, he's Weird Al's resisted fan request to release a director's cut, saying that the hour of deleted material contained countless gags that just didn't work for the film's pacing. And there's a reason why those things got cut, he said on his website. So he'll never release the extra hour of footage. 
This is one of several films that spent years in legal limbo after Orion Pictures went bankrupt in 1991. So once they uh. went bankrupt, there was no way to purchase or watch this film at all. Unless you had it some already had bought it on VHS. So when it was released finally on DVD in 2002, it was a top 10 bestseller. Um, I think some stations had it, like cable companies had it. That's what we saw when we were kids. But uh, Weird Al originally wanted Sylvester Stallone to do a cameo as the helicopter booth worker in the Rambo sequence and discovered that he and Stallone had a mutual friend. So he was hopeful. And Stallone initially agreed to make the appearance, but ultimately had to back out due to scheduling issues. So he would have been in that uh, sequence. Uh, that would have been cool. It would have been cool. Uh, the character Stanley Spadowski, uh, played by Michael Richards or Kramer, uh, it was actually written with Kramer, uh, Michael Richards in mind uh, before he was Kramer. But they did consider Christopher Lloyd at first uh, as a person who could be. I could see that. Yep. I could absolutely see that. They're kind of modeling it after the, the uh, doc, but also his character from Taxi is what they're mainly thinking of. Um, so that was a kind of a thing. Yeah, kind of sweet, stupid, innocent. And crazy at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld was originally offered the role of George Newman's best friend, Bob Speck, but he turned it down. So that went to um, David Bowe. Uh, released about two weeks before the pilot of Seinfeld, as I mentioned. And also Jennifer Tilly and Ellen DeGeneres both auditioned for the role of Terry, the role that was later played by what was her name? I'm pretty Victoria Jackson. That's her name. Victoria Jackson. Yeah. And, uh, DeGeneres was the first choice, apparently Ellen. Uh, but for reasons unknown to weird Al, she backed out. They, they still don't know why she backed out of it, but she did last minute, but she was the top choice. It would have been Ellen DeGeneres in this film. That'd be probably a different tone. She was just a very different kind of comic at the time. But yeah, also Ellen's a lot more like in your face and Victoria Jackson's very like innocent. And I don't know what's happening. Yeah. That's kind of her angle. Yeah. So that's a lot of trivia. Sorry, but that was there's some fun stuff in there. <laughs> but oh, now yeah. we have an amazing bit to play bit? with Steve. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm very excited. <laughs> he has no idea what this is, but basically it's called, you know, the one where that thing happened to that one guy. And so, oh, so it's like my mom <laughs> describes a movie. That's exactly what it is, Steve. <laughs> so what we're going to do is give you very bad descriptions of movies that have that came out within okay. 10 years of this film. So it's between. So 10 years on either end? On either end. No, no, no. On either so end. Um, yes. Of either. Either. No. 10 so years. Let's see. So th this came out in 89. So are you telling me this is 79 to 99? 79 to 90. I'm giving okay. that range 79 to 90. Okay. So not much after this, but correct. Up to 10 years before. Okay. So okay, all these films would come out frame. 79 to 90 okay, in that okay. range. So I'll give a very bad description. He has to say what that movie actually is. Okay. I'm very excited. Okay. <clears throat> Preparing like my buzzer, and my ding. Okay. A family's first Airbnb, Airbnb experience goes very wrong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say European Vacation. Oh, European Vacation was uh, much later. That was in 2000 something. What? Yeah. Oh, you're thinking. Oh, you're thinking of um, National Lampoon's European Vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a more reasonable guess. Okay, I was thinking of that Euro Trip. Is what I was thinking of. <laughs> Euro, yeah, European Vacation came out in '85. But oh, that's yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. not the answer. Totally, totally, totally not the answer. But that's not the answer. Um, I'll give you one more guess. Okay. A family's first Airbnb experience goes very wrong. 
are they staying in the Airbnb or are they renting an Airbnb in this scenario? I mean, it's not an actual Airbnb. It's at some place. I know, but I'm I'm playing along. They're staying in the place. They're staying in a place. <laughs> the hills have eyes. No, it is The Shining. <laughs> oh, damn. It was pretty general, okay. so that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. That, that was a good one. All right. So here we go. A handsome mercenary who owns a pet bear intervenes to stop incest between a brother and sister. A mercenary who owns a pet bear <laughs> intervenes to stop incest between a brother and sister. With a pet bear. That's the part I just can't get my head wrapped around. They're taking some some liberties here by saying he owns a pet bear. He owns a pet bear. The handsome mercenary. A handsome mercenary with a bear. <laughs> and a brother and sister from committing incest. He's per- um, he's intervening to stop it. He's kind of scruffy, I'm just saying. Oh, well, I mean that gave it away. So it's Star Wars. <laughs> And the pet bear is Chewbacca yes. and the brother and sister. Okay. Okay. No, I get it. I get, all right, it. You get it. That's all hundred percent accurate. I don't know if I ever would have put that together. That's so funny though. All right. Here's a, this is pretty general, but you might get it. Okay. Illegal immigrant chased by the feds. That's it. That's it. That's ET. Yes. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> All right, so here we go. <clears throat> all right, all right. Through hard work and perseverance, a recent immigrant rises quickly in pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> rises quickly in the pharmaceutical industry. Scarface. That is correct. <laughs> Good <Yep>. job. <laughs> when you said pharmaceutical industry, I'm like, I know there's no way it's actual pharmaceutical industry. It's got to be drugs. <laughs> So, an unsuspecting boy is seduced by a creepy old loner into a game of crime, terrorism, and incest. Back to the future. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> I was like, it has all of those things. Let's go <laughs> yes, on. it does. All right, here we go. A pure-hearted man is murdered. Days later, he rises from death with a message for mankind. Okay, so not Jesus. <laughs> a man is murdered. He rises. How many, does it say how many days later? Days later. He Just rises days from later. death. With a message for mankind. <laughs> I, I don't know. Everything I can think of is not in the right date range. Ah, uh-huh. that helps. Because originally I think of like Lord, like Lord of the Rings, Gandalf falling, coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give up. This this one's. I'm my hands up. This is RoboCop. <laughs> RoboCop. God damn. All right. Okay. Fuck. Here we go. Um, okay. Woman decides that to win a man's heart, she should surgically alter her body and stop talking. woman who surgically alters her body <laughs> well there are like multiple movies about women pretending to be men from the 80s for various reasons 
Um, <laughs> but I don't remember anything involving surgery. And, and stop talking. Stops talking. I have nothing. I got nothing. That is a little mermaid. <laughs> God damn, she doesn't have surgery. Well, that's true. It's that's some, it's, it's explained some badly. <laughs> that's some bullshit. That's not even explained badly. That's explaining the wrong premise. <laughs> <laughs> that's different. All right, here, here we go. The stop talking, though, I should have got that. To that offset that giveaway. one. That was a giveaway. A disheveled man roams an office building killing people. A disheveled man. Die Hard? Yes. <laughs> okay, job. okay. Man. And the last one. All right. A neglected sociopathic child tries to murder two homeless men. Oh, Home Alone. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> so that there were 11 good. and you only got good. two wrong, I think. So that- I must have missed more than that. No. I missed European Vacation and there's two where I threw my hands up. I missed a minimum of three. You missed, oh, you did not get Star Wars, so that's three. You there missed, we go. You there missed we go. three, yeah. So three out of bad. 11 ain't bad. I was surprised how easy I got a few of those, actually. I know. Some of them, I was like, oh, I didn't expect them to get that fast. That's good. <laughs> so we explained uh, the plot game, badly with, game. you know, that one thing where that happened to that one guy. The but- guy with the hat. <laughs> I think that takes us to some radical recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right. This week, Radical Recommends. I'm bringing you not a not Radical Recommend, just something everyone's recommending, and that's uh, HBO's House of the Dragons. Radical, just had dude. Its fin- finale <laughs> episode. Yes. Um, and I wanted to take in the entire season before I pass judgment. Because mm-hmm. we've, we've been hurt by Game of Thrones in the past. <laughs> We still might. HBO did us dirty, and I was just making sure. I'm really pleased to say that it's really good. There are a few follies and a few things I take issue with without getting too into the weeds or into spoilers. Um, Some of the character arcs they were clearly trying for haven't been fully communicated yet. Um, I like that they're making all the characters more human. Mm Mm-hmm and more identifiable because they, they don't want anyone to really be perceived as the bad guy, which I really appreciate. Yeah. No one seems um, like more than human too, like in the other show where it's kind of like they're, um, everyone seems justified in their position. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, I'm, I'm in, I would love a f- many more seasons of house of the dragon. I think it's a much, I mean, I don't think it will be next season because a giant war may be starting spoilers, but uh, it's, it was much smaller scale this first season because it's one oh, yeah. kingdom, one family, like one thing going on. I mean, there's, there's a extended family. It's a pretty big extended family, but they're all kind of mixed right. together in this one situation. Whereas right off the bat with Game of Thrones, it was like you're all over the map. Like you were seeing the north, the south. In like yeah, spending... four separate stories happening simultaneously. Right. And this is, has separate stories, but it's more contained in a smaller environment of, and less people. And so it was kind of more intimate, you know, at first. And right. Was, and like the North is still there, but it's something to make reference to. We don't travel there every goddamn episode. Exactly. And I, I didn't mind that with Game of Thrones because they made it epic and it worked. But it's just this is a different kind of storytelling. It's more intimate. And um, I wouldn't and we're getting more, more dragon action, mm-hmm. a lot more political alliance drama. Yeah. 
sort of stuff. Um, a lot of good, I said good character motivation. Um, and the thing that I like compared to the book, Blood and Fire, is that, as I said, they're really humanizing these characters. So you read the book? In the book, uh, years ago now. Oh, yeah, yeah, I uh, that. But um, the thing with the book is that they really portray many of the characters as, like, evil, or they don't really get into their motives. Oh. And that wouldn't work for this kind of show they're trying to portray, where they're trying to portray both sides. They're not trying to portray bad guys and good guys. Yeah. More gray area. Um, a lot more gray area. And I like the softening of certain characters and the adjustments of goals and expanding where there was an explanation to help drive that, drive that gray area, mm-hmm. um, which I've really, I've, it's something I've really appreciated about the show. Yeah, it definitely, you, you, there's definitely some people who are definitely more prone to violence and evil doings than others, but they're, you don't hate any of them yet. It's not like there's a right. right. Everyone feels justified in the way they feel in the actions they are taking with the exception of maybe one character. Like there's one character that is clearly being portrayed as evil, but that's kind of it. Yeah. There's not like so many Joffreys. <laughs> right. right. Um, so I really enjoyed it. It very much feels like season one, season two of Game of Thrones before it kind of went nuts. Really cool dragon action. Mm-hmm. Um, I I recommend it. Highly recommend it. I will say for most people that I've I've watched this with, uh, they they've been telling me to if the first first episode is really intense and there's a lot of triggering stuff in that first episode and push past it because even at the starting of the second episode, it's not that triggering going forward. There's some rough stuff, but it's not as that. Is, and there are a few moments that very much echo yes. what was triggering in the first episode. Like you're not all the way through it, but that first episode, yeah, has much more violence and brutality in it than much of what follows. And that's actually how Game of Thrones originally was. Yes, the episode first episode of Game like of Thrones is one of the roughest. More sex and more violence than you see oh. in a lot of the show. Yeah, the first episode of The Gate for Game of Thrones was one of the most violent, gory, crazy episodes. So, yeah, it's the same with this one. It so kind they of, kept the tradition. Yeah, it filters them out. <laughs> the people can't handle it. Um, but yeah, House of the Dragons. That's my radical recommend that no Very one's nice. talking about. <laughs> But that brings us some trailer reviews. Another thing no one's going to watch or heard about, we're, we're bringing it to you for the first time, is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. The trailer we came the out. the only two white guys with a podcast talking about this. And what's even better is that by the time this episode comes out, it'll be out for two weeks. <laughs> That's true. But you haven't heard us talk about it. That's what's important. That's uh, why you're here for our unique perspective. Exactly. These two white guys from America. I even get all the way through that statement. We have the most unique perspective. Oh God. Um, what am I doing? <laughs> so this is a great, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. So excited. Um, the trailer was big and epic. It gave us enough of the story, but it is clearly holding a ton of stuff back. Oh yeah. It has given the fans what they need to start theorizing about mm-hmm. what this movie is. Uh, I'll just say it, like what Kang is up to, why he's there, where there is. Mm-hmm. Um, we get 
through the the music they chose, and that we get what tonally is going to be happening. And if you guys like, yeah. um, if you watch Loki, Jonathan Ma- Jonathan Majors, right? That's his name. The guy playing yeah, Kang. Majors. Him, yeah, that's right. As Kang, I loved, and my my fiance put it great the way that his his cadence is just so interesting and different. The way he speaks with this character, it's so cool. Like I can't wait to see more of Kang because he's just so exciting and cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. But Bill Murray's in this trailer uh, as some unknown character, which is awkward timing because he just had some recent yeah like, lot, like shenanigans, multiple a- multiple allegations coming out. Yeah, that he just makes people very uncomfortable on set. He says a lot of inappropriate things. He dangled Seth Green over a trash can and threw him in. I mean, he's done a lot of weird shit apparently over the years. So bad timing for Quantumania. I feel bad. Um, but apparently he is a minor character from like an Incredible Hulk issue. One like comic. One Incredible, yeah. Hulk, Incredible Hulk issue. <laughs> um, also, yeah, just today, uh, yeah. if you've watched The Good Place, right? Yes, because Cheaty from The Good Place was just announced that he is in this movie and he's been so under wraps that they have not mentioned <clears throat> who he is. So I'm going to guess he's playing Modoc, but we don't know for sure. But they said he's in this I, movie. I think it's the guy from First Ant-Man. What guy from First Ant-Man? The villain. Oh, you think um, the villain from First Ant-Man is going to be playing Modoc? That's been a theory going around with a lot of. Videos. Is that he got shrunk down, he got disfigured. But here's the thing. On the way down or that, merged with his suit. Those theories came out before that announcement today that Chidi was in this movie as a mystery role. Like, who else is he going to be? There's Who else is, can be in this movie that's a, an interesting role? I don't know. I don't know. But at the same time, I think that the fact that, like, we've got Bill Murray playing a character that we've seen in one thing, like, anything is in play. Yeah, it could be anything. It could be some other time traveling superhero. He could be a member of the Fantastic Four who is stuck there. And honestly, the 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 first episode that Chidi took his shirt off and was like, holy shit, that guy's ripped. So he could play probably play any kind of superhero. So that's that's fair. He could be anybody at this point. Right. So I think that the fact that we are seeing so much random is that anything could be on the boards. Yeah, he could be Modoc. I think from a story perspective, Corey Stoll is this is the easier adjustment there. Because he's went that much more mad to, and just crazy. To explain, right, he went crazy. He melded with his tech. He's now no more than like a floating head with arms. Yeah. I, th- I would, that would um, follow very well. Right. He's got a vendetta against Ant-Man. We have that connection there. Like, there's a lot of reasons it could be him. Right. Um, but you're right. If they're trying to keep Chidi under wraps, like, who knows? That could be any number of big things. Mm-hmm. But now that they know he's in it. But otherwise, the trailer looks great. They recasted his daughter, Cassie, um, to an actress I recognize yeah. from Supernatural. She was in that show for a long time. Um, but yeah, she's, she's, she's good. So we'll see. Uh, so I'm going to call it now. Mm-hmm. So here, here are my predictions. Okay. So they're going to go along with the Wizard of Oz motif. Right. That's because they, they, it's uh, Goodbye, Elbic Road. Elton John is like the music in the background. And by that, they are the travelers to the strange land who are marooned. They need uh, something from, from, from a man to get back. And that's going to be Kang. So in this case, Kang is the man behind the curtain mm-hmm. is the wizard. And they need to go steal something from a evil third party to appease him. And then that evil third party is probably Modoc. Or Bill Murray's character, as they said, if it's that character they think it is, he has the ability to show you your greatest fear. 
So maybe Mo- maybe Kang can't face him because the one thing he can't face is his greatest fear. So he has to have them sent to him to get the thing that he needs. Uh, oh, and I think the quantum realm is his prison. Yeah. And that's why he was out of the timeline. He was out of He Who Remains Spotlight um, because he was locked away outside of space and time. And that them getting this thing that he needs is going to be what ultimately releases King the Conqueror back into the multiverse. Ooh, that would make sense because that's the one realm that the He Who Remains from Loki would not be able to see. And he's killed the rest of all the variants of himself. He thought he was the last right. variant of Kang. But no, there's one left. I also think we may get the reveal that the TVA is located in this big city we see. Oh, you think it's in in the quantum realm? Yes. I think the TVA is in the quantum realm. It's like clearly outside of time and space in some way. That would be fascinating. Um, But yeah, and I think I think we are going to see the death of Scott Lang. That's very possible because it is Paul Rudd and he's got other things to do. Um, Well, not only that. So the outfits, this is, this is based off like visual cues. Oh, um, so the outfit that his daughter is in, let me find this. I was <laughs> trying to reference in the comic. Name. She's either stature or what, stinger. Was it the other one? I can't remember the other one, but the other one is the one that her costume is, but she, the rumor is that she was coming in as stature. And Stature has a red and black suit. So my theory is that Scott Lang dies and she gives up the purple suit and takes up his red and black suit Mm. and becomes Stature because of his death. And they are setting up to have the Young Avengers and all that jazz. They absolutely are. So that's my theory is that either he dies and so that's how she becomes Stature and gets into that costume or it's just they chose to put her in the purple one to visually differentiate her, which is absolutely possible from a storytelling perspective. Also possible, yes. There, there doesn't have to be story implications. I'm just willing to bet there are. Um, but yeah, I think Paul Rudd is dead. I think Scott Lang's dead. Paul is dead. That's the story all his time. And the Beatles right. going forward. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's this movie is going to give a surprising amount of uh, story to the next phase of MCU. It's going to be very important to the things going forward. It's because this is the first movie of phase five, I believe it is technically. And so it's going to have the Man. main villain Kang coming forward from this film. So that's pretty damn important. Right. And I think this is what's going to kick off phase five is his escape. Yeah. And they're going to help in the do multiverse. It. Yeah. And it's going to be great. I love his blue face. Yeah. And like, once again, it just, it also harkens back to the original Ant-Man which is Scott Lang's destiny is to be the superhero that breaks in someplace and steals some shit. Yeah. Every time, like the, every time it's like, that is the same thing is that's why he needs them. Cause he needs them to go steal something for him. Yep. <laughs> so that even that story arc follows very perfectly. And especially if he's trying to escape the quantum realm, what better would he need was the pin particle to get out of there. So, um, so I give this movie uh, a council of Raul Julia's oh. sitting just chairs of them filling a hall of Raul Julia's. They're all dressed like M. Bison, though. They're all in that red M. Bison, of course, outfit. And there's 
one Nick Nolte down on the ground looking up at all of them, and they all turn to him at the same time and go, guilty, just in echoes through the hall. I like you called him Nick Nolte and not Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Busey. It's a variant. guy. <laughs> I'm a variant. It wasn't me. I'm Nick Nolte. I'm not. I'm not. My voice is lower. Yeah, I'm Nick Nolte. Um, I'm, I'm basically a more tired I, Gary Busey with a lower voice, <laughs> and uh, and just less less body than Harrison Ford. Yes. Oh man, I gotta get in this plane, fly to work. You get sure you should do that, plane. Mr. Ford? I could buy more planes. <laughs> I have this trailer receives one Gary Busey, but he's a variant. And he's like, hello, I'm Gary Busey. I never did meth in this life or crash my motorcycle. So I'm quite coherent and I love this film. Also, I'm alligator variant. <laughs> yes, he's also an alligator. I, he's I an didn't alligator mention that. for some reason. <laughs> yeah. well, it's not relevant to the story. Yeah, it wasn't know? relevant. It, I'm not a racist. You know, he, he, can, be an, he can be an alligator. Not a species. I'm not xenophobic. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh man! It's been an episode. Well, I think that brings us to the end of episode 158. <laughs> That's right of the Play on Nerds podcast. Uh, join us next time uh, as we watch, review, and celebrate the fantasy classic Willow. Willow, in honor of the new Willow series coming out on Disney Plus. Hell yes! I this is what a great time for fantasy television. Oh yeah. Like when have we have this much good high quality fantasy television happening at the same time? I know. I'm just so excited. I love Willow. Rings of, up, power, Rings of power. House of dragons. Tolkien, Willow. It's wonderful. Oh my God. I love it. I'm so excited for Willow. I'm so excited to get into the movie. Keep on coming back and being our nerdy audience. And we will keep on coming back and being your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, internet. Stay nerdy. My friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? How?